Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So for today's uh, topic and discussion, I think what we wanted to kind of just talk about generally is user privacy and how we manage that, things things to keep in mind when in, around user privacy, um, and also to talk a little bit about the uh, GDPR big, scary EU directive that is going to be coming into effect within the next couple of months. Like As best I can tell, it's slightly amorphous as to when all of the parts of it take effect and who they affect, but... In general, this uh, you know before this summer, there is going to be a big new legislative uh, requirements around user data and about user privacy. And as a small developer, I kind of look at some of this stuff and I get very intimidated, very scared. Um, and in some ways, that's a good thing because it makes me just like not want to ever touch user data ever. Um, and also, it's just it's 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 Mostly, though, I just need to tell myself that, like, most of this stuff, if you're doing things reasonably and if you're doing things respectfully, you're probably going to be okay. Um, that, in general, if you're being respectful of user privacy, that you're not doing shady stuff, you know, these kinds of laws and the kind of things that they require um, are probably not going to be super onerous. But that's probably also a good fair disclaimer. Uh, neither of us are lawyers. Neither of us are especially neither lawyers in EU um, law. And so if you have specific questions or issues about your situation, this is not the kind of advice that uh, you want to base that on. We're just hopefully going to give you some general advice um, and some general experiences that we've had as we kind of have looked through this ourselves um, and to kind of to kind of things things to think about going forward. Um because at the very least, and before we get into kind of the, some of the specifics of this, one of the things that I do like um, are about this big, scary EU directive has been that it has forced me to do a kind of an audit or a kind of go through what I'm doing, um, which is always just a, a useful thing to you know, to do. That um, while I, it turned out that I think in general there are very few things and changes that I have to make to make my apps um, kind of. Ref- be respectful of GDPR. Um, it's been a useful exercise to sit down and to, to go through my app and to think about, well, what data am I collecting um, about my users? And do I need that data? Is there any way that I could avoid using that data or having that data that kept? Um, how am I storing that data? Who has access to that data, etc.? And like, it's a useful um, activity to go through that um, in, even if it wasn't, you know, something that I have to do would probably be a good idea to do on a a semi-regular basis. So at least in that sense, um, it's been useful. But um, what is really interesting about this, this what I have found is it's trying to really think about what is, what do I absolutely need to store? And thankfully, in general, the approach that I've taken with most of my apps is I don't want to store or know anything about my users. Um, which in some ways is probably like from business 101 perspective is like a terrible idea because um, I have no relationship with a lot of my users to this to the degree that like they go to the app store, they download my app, they install my app. Um, I know nothing about them and they just use it and everything's great. Like at some point, maybe they'll give me some money from an in-app purchase. But even with an in-app purchase, I just know that someone bought it. I know nothing about them, which in some ways is terrible. But in a weird way, as a like a, a one one person developer kind of shop like that's actually lovely and liberating to not have to manage and think about and deal with the implications of me having 
a user's credit card information or a user's address um, or, you know, the information about them, especially a lot of my apps deal with health data, like things actually about, you know, measuring a user's health. Like I actually like I have no interest in knowing anything about your health because suddenly then there's a tremendous burden and, you know, legal liability and things on me. I would much rather all of that data just stay on your phone. It never goes anywhere. You can use the app. You can enjoy the app. It can be useful to you. But from my perspective, you're just this nameless number that is, you know, just like somewhere in my daily downloads, someone downloaded it. And that's kind of a useful thing. And I think it's a different perspective than certainly I get the, the, the impression that a lot of, you know, big companies, their goal is to sort of slurp up as much data as possible about their users and, you know, use that for whatever. But it is possible, I think, to take the opposite approach. And in a situation like this, it really comes back to be like, this is great. I know nothing about any of my users. I don't have to worry about it. Um, for all of these requirements and you know, data protection stuff, um, except for a few cases for me, there's nothing that I know about my users. So, you know, sort of problem solved. Yeah, I mean, like, number one strategy of, like, avoiding certain liabilities and requirements of privacy laws and regulations is just don't keep the data or don't collect the data or don't store it. Like you just have as little data as possible on people. And that's not something that some businesses can, can really do. Like a lot of businesses depend on having a lot of data on people or need that data for basic functionality of their app. Uh, but you know, independent developers like us are lucky in that we have options and like, and you know, like as I've been looking over, you know, overcast stuff, I, I had kind of a head start on a lot of the a lot of the GDPR stuff because Overcast has had a privacy policy since day one. Apple does not require privacy policies for all apps unless they have auto renewing subscriptions or health data. Oh, or health data. I didn't know that. <laughs> if you if you ever access uh, health data, you have to have a privacy policy. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, and, and I think the the original reason for the auto renewing things was that auto renewing subscriptions used to give you access to like the zip codes and email addresses of everybody because they were made for uh, newsstand publications back in the day. And the magazine business was like, we can't operate without all sorts of personal data to spam people with. Um, so, but and I, I I don't know if that's still even available to anybody. I know it's it's no longer there by default, but. I've had a privacy policy since day one and it's been, you know, and, and it's not, it's an intimidating thing to write, but I highly suggest everybody for every app that you possibly, you know, are responsible for make a privacy policy. And even if you use the same one for all your apps, like just make a privacy policy because it forces you not only to, you know, to, to think about these things, but to actually codify like what data are you actually collecting and what data are you not collecting? And and what and what are you doing with this data? What are you allowed to do with this data? And what are you explicitly saying you're not going to do with this data? Who are you who is having access to? Are you sharing this data with anybody else? Um, like to 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 write a privacy policy, even if no one ever reads it, like the value of having it is that it forces you to basically audit what you're doing with information and what information you even have. And this might give you an opportunity to say, as you're writing this document, like you know, actually. I don't need this. Like one of the things I did recently was I turned off uh, IP address logging on my web server logs because I just I, I have literally never had to look at it. Like there has not been a single time in all of Overcast where I've had to look at the IP address records of anything. So I'm just going to I'm like slowly like removing places where I would record IP addresses for people because it just has never come up. If it ever comes up that I really wish I had that information, maybe I'll rethink this policy, but it hasn't yet. Um, I mentioned in the past 
that one crazy plan I had, which I haven't done yet, but but I'm I'm still thinking about doing it, is to hash email addresses in addition to just passwords. Like I've always hashed passwords, so I don't store plain text of passwords. But I wonder if I could also hash email addresses. And the 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 main advantage there is like, well, then I I don't have emails like. And the problem is I would still have like some derivative version of the email like because to 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 make that work you basically have to use the same salt for everything so you can look up to see like when someone's logging in with email address like they type this in I have to be able to find whether that record exists or not. So I th- I think the, the only way I could think of to do that is to use the same salt for all the hashes. But I could still do something more secure than just storing them as plain text. Like I, I could still have a salt and a hash even though they would all be the same that that's still better than having the emails there if I pick a strong enough hash. And that would that would literally just get me out of the business of having emails at all. The downside of that is that I could never send emails to users, which currently the only time I do that is for ad buyers to notify them that their ad has expired or that availability is now open in a category that they requested to be notified about. Um, so I could like maybe only store their emails and no one else's. They're you know they're a minority of the user base. Um, so there's like basically I'm 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 brainstorming ways in which I can avoid having people's emails at all because that is the most that that's the the main personal identification that I have for or personal information I have for people. Um, you know, I have like what podcasts they're subscribed to, which counts, you know, that's still personal information, but it's not as sensitive as like an email address would be. And it makes it hard to tie it to an individual without that email address. Um, so anyway, so, you know, I, I've gone through a number of times when I'm, you know, when writing or editing the privacy policy to say like, what's the least information I can get away with? And part of the, th- this is also part of the reason why, and this becomes important with GDPR, this is part of the reason why I have dropped all third-party service integrations with my app. I don't have third-party ads or analytics or crash reporting or anything. I'm using Apple's crash reporter. I have my own basic analytics on the server, and I do my own ads. And this is, again, like not a luxury that everybody could have. But if you can do it, this is very important because not only does this let you control what information you're collecting and not collecting, but also GDPR makes you responsible for any breaches or privacy problems that happen with like subcontractors that that do work for you and i think that's going to be interpreted to mean like if you embed google analytics or something in your app and they get hacked you have a problem you can't just say well that's their problem like that that the liability could fall on you so you become responsible for any third-party stuff that you integrate in your app and honestly you should be thinking this way already I know the reality that most people don't, and that's, you know, we will have that argument some other day, but if you can minimize your dependence on third-party code, especially code that talks to third-party services, the the, the, the the least of that you can have in your app, the better, because that just, it, it eliminates areas of liability for you under GDPR. Yeah, and it's, I love this kind of ex- exercise, though, because it is entirely about making conscious choices. Um, where it's like there's there's a, like there may be a default that, that you could just like ignore this a which is probably I mean, honestly for the first several until I started doing uh, health related applications I just completely ignored the thought of this type of stuff like I I didn't store much I don't have much data in my previous apps but I probably had something and I just never thought about it but like being forced to go through and be like even to the degree of do I need these IP addresses that was something that I actually recently like I've been spending this morning I've been sitting down work removing it from or working out how to remove it from all my apps because like do i need this no i don't like is there anything the is there anything 
that I you know, is being stored that is tied to somebody in any way. And how can I get rid of that? And, you know, unfortunately, like I use a third party um, advertising uh, framework in my apps because that's just the reality for, for, you know, for what I find myself in. And it's like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel great in some ways uh, because of that. But it's like, it makes me feel good about the fact that I've at least got rid of all the other, anything other than that, which is, you know, somewhat essential for my business. I've gotten rid of that. I, I do a very basic bare minimum kind of analytics thing that is entirely anonymized and you know, has no tie to a, a user whatsoever that other than that, like there's no analytics and I got rid of, you know, in the past I used to use fabric or um, the more kind of like heavy handed analytics things where I'm just like feeding, you know, I'm feeding my data into their big data system and I get a little bit of benefit, but honestly, I'm probably, you know, the reason those analytics packages are free for most developers to use is that that data is valuable to the, you know, to other people and is being used in ways that um, I lose control over. So at least, you know, kind of becoming, separating myself as much as I can from things like that um, is great. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one other thing too that I like about when you, when you come up with a privacy policy is it, it it's nice to maybe it's like making promises that your future self has to follow yeah um is is also something that's kind of nice that it it, it, it there's all kinds of situations that you can get into where people will reach out to you with deg- various degrees of shadiness um people wanting access to um, the data about your users uh, for example i know there's Oh, there was a group of, or there's a couple of companies who reach out to weather apps um, is, a, is a common version of this because most weather apps have access to a user's location um, because that's really useful for a weather app. But there's a lot of people who, you know, they, they would love to embed a little framework into your application that um, uses the, the ex- exploits the fact that you, you know, user has given you access to their location to then report that and, you know, use that data for marketing reasons and all kinds of other stuff that, um, having, ac- you know, a- accurate access to a user's location could be very useful for. But it's nice to, I've, you know, said, sort of said publicly that that's not something that I do. And it's nice to make that sort of promise that then your future self, not that I'm ever particularly, like, not saying that I'm like particularly tempted, but it's, there is something even more reassuring to just like immediately discard a lot of those types of potential, like, I might even, I wouldn't even really call them opportunities, but like situations that you might find yourself in that you can say, you know, it's like, well, I've said this is how I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, certainly a privacy policy include, I'm sure always includes some kind of language around the, you know, this policy may change and so on. But um, you're at least you're making a commitment to, to yourself that you've at least thought about this. And I think that is a, a nice thing to have to, to you know, to, to put down in writing that like, this is something that I care about. This is something that I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to endeavor to uh, uphold. And, you know, I think that is a just a good thing. It's at a personal level to make you feel better about um, the work you're doing. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in like, kind of like a large overview summary way, I think one of the great benefits of GDPR is going to be that, you know, until now, there has been very little reason not to collect data. You know, it's it's like, well, what harm does it do? I have this data in case I ever need it. And then, and you know, similar, like when you were talking about adding third-party analytics services that, that are free, and it's, you know, you're really paying with your user's data, but like, they're free to you. And, and the thinking a lot of times of that was, why not in, embed this? I might get useful data out of it. Um, but now the the thinking has to flip around. Now the thinking has to be instead of eh, why not collect this information. Now it has to be like 
I better have a really good reason to collect this information because collecting this is going to bring on liability and work for me. And so the default now should start to become, for a lot of us, let me collect as little as possible rather than, oh, I'll collect as much as I need just in case I need it someday. And that's that's a big change. And I think overall it's a little more work, but I think overall this will be significantly for the best. Anyway, we are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with pricing starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system like what we have, Linode is the right choice for you. It has the fastest hardware network with fantastic customer support behind it all. It has never been easier to launch Linode Cloud Server. Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability, and Linode offers additional storage now, too. They now have block storage. It's out of beta. It's available uh, in a couple of their data centers so far, and they're expanding it very quickly as they go. Linode is really great for setting up your own server for things like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, running Docker containers. I keep meaning to teach myself Docker, and that's how I'm going to do it is on Linode. Uh, You can host your own private Git server and so much more. So, for instance, if you wanted to host your own private analytics thing on your own web server, you can do that with Linode. And Linode is also hiring right now. If this interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. So anyway, Linode has fantastic pricing options available, starting at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. They have all sorts of plans above that, too, including new high-memory plans. Listeners of this show can get uh, $20 towards any Linode plan by going to linode.com slash radar. That will support us and get you 20 bucks towards any Linode plan. That's four free months on that one gig plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show. So one interesting um, thing this I've, uh, in my sort of research into GDPR that I think is a really interesting filter for this discussion, too, is one of the um, new I guess, like abilities that GDPR grants to EU citizens is that they are, al- they are allowed to uh, record, sort of demand from a company that has data about them a full sort of log of the data that that company has about you. And the company is required to give this back to the customer within, I think it's 30 days or something along those lines, um, which is ca- both kind of lovely and also kind of terrifying that like, I just have this, the vision of like, if 10% of my users made a request like that of me, um, like even just, even if I have no data on you dealing with that would be a nightmare, but what I love about that is it's a really interesting question. And I think a different way, like you can kind of look at it from the, what data am I collecting? And then the other interesting thing is like, if you got one of those requests, like the thought exercise of like, what would you do with it? How would you proceed? And I think that is also a helpful way to make sure that you are, um, you know, you are aware of all the data you're collecting. Because if you're thinking about it from a perspective of like, if somebody said, hey, I want to know what all, what data you have stored about me. Like how when you sort of what tree of what tree would you walk down to gather that data? And then you can kind of look at the tree from the top down and say, do I still need all of this? Would I want to be able to provide a user with all this information uh, sort of as the reverse of the privacy policy version, which is almost like from the, the ground up uh, version of that, like starting at the roots and kind of working your way up. Um, and that's interesting because I think what I've what I've found is that from almost all cases, for most of my applications, other than there's a couple where I have uh, I have a recipe synchronous for my recipe app, I have a way to sort of back up your recipes to the cloud, um, and I have your email address for that. 
But other than that, the nice thing with, with what I found is as I think about all my apps and I've gone through them all and it's been kind of tedious, but I'm like, is there anything that I collect that I would be able to tie back to a user that if a user said, you know, hi, I'm John Doe. Um, I want you, I want you to tell me what information you have about me that it's really encouraging to look down and say like, um, I don't know who you are. Uh, I have nothing for you. (laughs) That's, you know, it's like problem solved. Um, but it's also just a really interesting, I think, way to look at this same problem and is certainly something that you have to, you have to keep in mind because, this is apparently something that people may ask us for now. Um, I, I, I believe this is something similar to this has been uh, around from the, I think what's called the Data Protection Act um, was something that existed prior to this. Yeah. That was, it didn't quite go as far, but um, and I haven't had any Data Protection Act queries. So hopefully this isn't something that's going to like open the flood doors and I'm going to be you know, spending all my time doing sort of administrative busy work. But nevertheless, it's an interesting way to think about the same problem of like, if someone, you know, maybe in the case of it's like, here's my email address, tell me everything you know about me, starting from there is another interesting way to kind of walk through and say, what do I actually know about this person? And, you know, you can kind of audit it from that direction as well. Yeah, and, and you can think too, like, I mean, first of all, I think this process should be automated. I, I think I think whenever possible, you should develop uh, some kind of just automated script that you can run that will generate these reports, of, you know, even if no one's ever asked you for one. And I think one thing that might be useful for that is to think about, like, what data appears there that somebody might consider creepy? You know, like, is is there, are you collecting data about people uh, that if they knew about it, they would, they would get freaked out or that they would, they would think you were being a little bit overreaching or creepy. And you should really think about like, do we, do you need to be collecting that amount of data? Like, this is one of the reasons why, as I mentioned, like I'm trying to get out of the IP address business, be, like just everywhere where I have like, you know, logs and things like that, because I just don't need that. And it's kind of creepy. So with an IP address, you can get things like, you know, geography and stuff like that. And and I just, I don't need that. I, I have no use for that information. So, like, think about when you're, like, I, I strongly suggest that you actually, like, make a script to dump out this report for what you have on somebody. And anything that can't be, you know, shown to somebody without being embarrassed, stop collecting it. Like, it's, I know this is this is not so easy for a lot of people, but, the, like, this really is, I think, the, the way that, you know, the path forward for, for those of us who want to just run an honest business and, and don't want to deal in, in uh, basically being creepy data brokers. Yeah. And it's, it's probably fair to say too, you may, it's important that I think you're pointing out there with that you may have information in places that aren't structured that you still would be liable to be responsible for like logging where yeah, like server logs. Yeah. Like if you have a log entry that has a user's user ID as well as their IP address, you're now, you're now actually entirely unintentionally hopefully but potentially unintentionally you are creating this tremendously specific trail of potentially where they've been over the course of using your app or how often they're you know shifting networks or like there's information that is in there that you may not even be intentionally collecting that is just good to be aware of that as soon as you have some type of actual user identifier anytime that that identifier appears anywhere in any of your systems you are potentially leaving behind this trail of sort of like privacy concern that you have to be aware of. That may not be just like, well, what tables in my uh, what tables in my database have a user ID, you know, column? Like that's like level one, but there's probably level two and three beyond that that you also need to be thinking about. Yeah, because another part of this is um, it's some, sometimes called the right to be forgotten. Yeah, and it's basically that that uh, people now have. Uh, the right to request that you delete everything you know about them. 
And these, it's kind of unclear so far whether this includes like server backups. Like if you, if you know, if you back up your database, like do you have to somehow delete it from all the backups immediately? And that's kind of unclear. But um, it, it, the answer to that's probably going to work out soonish. But it's probably going to be somewhere on the practical side. But basically, uh, you know. A, you're going to have to start thinking about deleting those backups after a short amount of time. Um, and B, you know, you should have a way, like similar to this generation of the report that I was talking about a minute ago, like you should have a way that you can delete everything you know about a user. And again, that's going to involve, you know, if you start thinking about it, that, that could involve things like server logs. And then again, you might want to question, do you need to keep those logs or how detailed do they have to be? What information has to actually be in them, et cetera. But you should have a way that you can delete everything you know about a user. Like this is something like I've had this since day one in Overcast too, just because I didn't want to have to deal with stuff like this. So, like in the, right in the app, you can go to the account page and you can delete your entire account, and that deletes everything I know about you. Like, and that's it's great for me. It's great for users. They know they have a way out. And I was able to say because this is also privacy policy stuff. Like the privacy policy you know, right from the beginning had to say something on the lines of like, you know, how do you access, uh, edit and delete your data? Um, and so there it is. Like you, you make a way for people to do it and make it automatic. Um, and again, like, you know, this is going to be easier for some types of apps than others, but it's just one of those things again, like basically complying with GDPR is not that hard. If you do, if you have simple data practices like this, like when a user deletes their account from overcast, I actually issue delete commands to the database. It's not like a soft delete where I'm setting like a deleted on date and then marking it as deleted. Like it's it's an actual delete from the database because that data is no longer needed. Like it's I don't need that for any any reason anymore. So if you can do stuff like that, like avoiding complexities of like soft deletes and tra- you know, stuff like that, like it's it's just better now for this for this new environment. Yeah, and I think one thing I will say though is that it's. It's like you can use all these good practices. They are, they're always going to, in some ways, they come at a cost. And I think it's probably fair to sort of wrap up towards talking a little bit about that, that having a good privacy policy, being thoughtful, doing the stuff where you, like even just in the simple case of rather than having a deleted on flag, actually deleting the user case is if that user then comes back and says, oh, I didn't mean to, or I, I changed my mind. Um, you know, from a user experience perspective, it would be great to be like, that's no problem. I can just turn your account back on. Um, instead, you have to say, sorry, I, you said delete, you meant delete. It, it all went away. And so there is a, certainly a cost that is going to happen um, with all of these types of choices. And it's, I think the reality is, is as, as while there is a cost and while there are, there are certainly choices and features that you won't build um, if you're acting in a very, in a very privacy oriented way. Um, I think in general, like, you know, this is a show for independent iOS developers. I think the, in, the, the advice I would give anybody is to err on the side of collecting less, having less data, because even if it may, there are features that you could make, you are cr- creating a, a, the possibility of such a big overhead and nightmare down the road that it is unlikely to be worth doing. And like, for example, I have a, I have a lot of people ask me why, like, I don't have like the competitive, uh, health tracking, I guess you could call it, where like, you know, I, me and three of my friends ha- compete against each other to see who can get the most steps in a week, say. And the answer I give is because I don't want to know how many steps you've taken because in order to do build a feature like that, it's like either I have to go down the road of building some kind of crazy encryption scheme where each one of your friends has a private key that you can like encrypt your step data and like be passing it around, which sounds like a nightmare. And I don't really 
want to go down that road for, or I just need to, you know, store your, store your health data in a, in a database. But as soon as I do that, suddenly I've gone from this world where I know nothing about you to, I know a tremendous amount about you. And I know like, you know, I could, you can infer a lot of things from, you know, information like that. And so for me, I've just decided that the cost of not being, not building those features um, is enough for me to, to say, you know, to, to do, to, to just not do it. And maybe that makes me slightly less competitive. Maybe there's, you know, there are certainly other companies that have that kind of feature that I'm sure is useful for them. But I made the conscious choice that I don't want to, if I'm going to do a feature like that, I need to do it completely and, you know, actually put have, have all of the infrastructure that I would need to manage that and to be secure about it. And if I don't want to go down that road, I don't want to do it in kind of like this this half baked way that is just going to open me up to potential down you know tremendous pitfalls down the road. So that's just the approach I take. But it's certainly something worth saying that you know these choices are going are going to have a cost, and you just have to be conscious about them and understand you know what you're getting into as a result. And I think big picture. You know, we you can say like you know well if you don't collect this data, you can't offer these convenient customer service features or things like that. If we do collect this data, we get the world we have today. We know the cost of that now. And you know what? It turns out all those customer service benefits for a lot of us are not worth the cost of the like crazy data privacy leaking world we have today. Uh, so let's try it the other way for a while and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's been working fine for several years. I can say it's great. So just it, it, it's recommended even though it may, you know, have, it, isn't, it isn't perfect. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.